Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with... Howard Tybal. Very smooth. Very right. smooth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, you are just back uh, from, uh, well, I guess last week, you were just back from the uh, National Association for Educational Procurement, Education Procurement, NAEP, uh, conference in Louisville, Kentucky. It was it was eye opening, Pete, and I'll tell you that bourbon goes down really easily. Ooh, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> First time, and they had their opening event at Churchill Downs. It was uh, really cool. Oh, it that's was very cool. That's very classy. I got a picture of myself standing in front of a fake horse with a top hat. I'm never, I'm never gonna let me sure that it gets out anywhere. Does it have like a silk bow on it? Like the really uh, like they I, go all the out with the top yeah. hats. I don't know what this one had, but I did it, and you know, it's 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 now hidden away. Although it's probably going to show up on their website, I will let you see it at some point. Well, we may have to put it on our website. I'm surprised you're so sheepish about this stuff. I have you holding an armadillo in San Antonio. Yeah, come on. I'm not happy about that either, but that's okay. <laughs> so you did three things. Three things. Yeah, the uh, it was it was wonderful. So so the uh, the first thing, a pre-conference uh, leadership forum. Uh, with uh, a whole range of different roles, people in procurement, from the procurement director, uh, I think we may have had uh, a CFO, although I'm not sure, but you know, buyers and people that are managers, probably had around 20, 25 people, focusing on leadership, strategic planning, and uh, what was the third? Oh, the decision-making model. And I'll, I'll tell you what was so inspiring for me about this. And you know, we're recording this because I want to make this available to people. Is a reminder of you know what do they do with this now, right? You and I have always talked about that. Is you you walk away from these events, and I told them, you know, you're going to go back to your offices. You're going to get buried by your email. What do you do? What's the first thing you do? And you know, what I told them was take the decision-making model, take those seven steps. And put it in front of your team and take one problem, one uh, initiative, and practice this. That's the number one thing you can do at this point to start reinforcing the value. Because too often you walk away from these conferences and you got all these wonderful notes that you've taken and then they sit in your desk for the first week. The second week they get under a pile. The third week, and then by the sixth week you finally decide to throw away the notes because you realize you're never going to read them. <laughs> right. And that's unfortunate. So the, the thing that I, and I know people felt that this was a practical experience because they, you know, these are practical tools. So they just take, take, that's the number one thing they can do is take back that one sheet that shows the whole process, sit down with your team and experiment. Don't wait uh, to take that forward. And so, so the pre-conference was really about not only the decision-making model, but how to think about doing your own mini strategic plan within procurement. And let me, let me, it, let me ask you something. Uh, what do, right. Can you walk me through a little bit the uh, some of the unique challenges that are faced by this body of people? What are the issues that procurement uh, people are dealing with um, that, that you found uh, interesting, compelling? I'd say the number one thing is that and, and this is, you know, Dori Murner, who uh, runs uh, NAAP, this is her core mission, is to help with uh, make this shift. Uh, procurement is very much a transaction-focused business, right? right? 
we buy stuff, uh, and we've got different mechanisms for buying stuff. Procurement now uh, encompasses, and, the, and they've shifted from, we have an AP department and a purchasing department. So procurement is a move to saying the umbrella is procurement, which includes accounts payable, accounts receivable, and purchasing and paying for goods and services. And there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of movement within procurement to attempt to say and figure out how do we position ourselves to be recognized as a strategic partner in my institution. And the dilemma they have is that by design, uh, they are often seen as just keeping the trades running, right? Right, right. So... Can procurement be involved in revenue generation? Absolutely. Matter of fact, a woman in the program said, you know, I need to be, I, I, we, we've got a, a, a P-card program. We can actually grow revenue uh, through our purchasing card. Uh, part of what, what they're discovering is, and they've known for a while, is that they have difficulty making the case uh, up the food chain about why procurement can help the institution navigate some of these really difficult challenges, mostly around financial sustainability. I, I actually stood in front of the group and said, listen, you are so well positioned, but you got to decide that you want to take it on to help your institution or make the case to your CFO, chief business officer, why procurement should be talked about and thought about at the cabinet level. And I think it's a new discipline for them, uh, overarching, not always, to be able to say, all right, what is our story and how do we tell that in a strategic way? So some of the outcomes, you know, I'm thinking about someone in very in particular who's, who said to me, or in reflection of the group, and they should all be doing this, I'm going to write a business case for our area, get my group behind this, and then share this business case for what we're doing and how it ties to the institution's strategy, I'm going to share it with my boss because my boss is on the cabinet. And, and, and if we're going to get any traction, we're going to get our work recognized so that people say, does procurement have the resources they need to be effective? Did that surprise you? That they that this was that they were struggling to tell this story effectively. No, and I and I think that this is this is going to be uh, this has been around as long as I can remember. It's the same kind of not having the seat at the table conversation I hear with human resources. Mm -hmm. Part of it's structural, but to be honest, usually procurement the highest level in procurement is the procurement director. And directors and institutions, for the most part, report to vice presidents, and it's the vice presidents that are at the level of setting the strategy, right? Right. right. So, so directors are in a position to have to make a strong case. Directors of HR have to make a case to their finance and administration vice presidents. This is how we're going to help reposition talent. Right. This is how we're going to contribute to having a streamlined workforce so that we can more effectively uh, 
address strategic goal number three on the strategic plan. Uh, too often, the groups that I'm describing, HR, uh, procurement, student affairs, are so focused, rightfully so, on getting their work done, they haven't had enough practice and time managing up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of managing down, and it's a function of being very transaction-focused. So I think this session was a reminder to everybody, you know what? we got to do a better job of telling the story up versus telling the story down. Well, it's a great uh, reminder that uh, you know we can take ownership of our own story. We don't need to rely on directors and VPs just happening to understand what it is that we do. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I met some, I, you know, I know some buyers, in, you know, the buyer role, and that the terminology is changing uh, over time. But I think we underestimate the the desire of people in in the entire procurement area to that they have a greater understanding of the strategy, and we need to pull them out from the day-to-day operations to find opportunities to have these broader conversations. We're not developing our people enough to have those kinds of conversations. And I'll tell you, I said that uh, in uh, when, I, when I gave my, in, in a sense, at the keynote, there were three of us that did a 15-minute keynote in front of the whole the, the whole uh, membership, and this was uh, setting up the communicating, uh, the communicating f- uh, to make an impact. And I said, one of the things we don't do well in higher ed is we don't develop people, and that most of us have worked our way into a managerial role and have no management training, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. None. And the dilemma with that is. We, we're, we, we don't have uh, the ability to, or, or we haven't developed that skill set that I think when you get really good management training to both manage up as well as manage down. And I'll tell you, I, lots of people are nodding their heads. Everybody, I would say the majority of people in that room are getting uh, to the next level in their career in higher ed because they take initiative because they're good communicators, uh, and because they've learned on their own how to excel, uh, as opposed to the, the institution really making a concerted effort to raise the bar by providing the kind of training that's needed. This is why, by the way, more people are coming in from the corporate space into higher ed, because they do have that training, right? Yeah. They're bringing in people who have uh, the the skills, and, and but they have a different challenge, right? Some of them opt out because they realize within you know the first couple of months, my God, the, the the pace of change or trying to get things done is so much harder in a higher ed environment than it is in a corporate environment. Uh, just the need to get collaboration and agreement. Uh, so they have a, there's a different challenge for people coming in from the for profit world. So. The pre-conference workshop was fantastic. I think there were some key takeaways. My number one reminder to anyone listening to this is go back and apply some of the things right away. Don't wait. Just pick one thing. I had them write down two things that they're going to do when they get back, and you know I'm sure some of them will do it. At the uh, keynote, we then went into the breakout rooms, and I probably had around 100 people in that session, and that was fantastic. And that was all about the need to... And this is a great reminder for people how communication is at the heart of being an effective influencer. And 
I was saying to the group, I, yeah, I started my session, the 15 minutes, and I said, raise your hand if you're a leader. And how many people? Actually, I started my session because I'm competing with the other two, right? Yeah, I let's talk a little this. bit about that. That's a fascinating kind of setup, oh, the way they did wait, that. Wait. Yeah. No, so, so the, right. right. So I'm, I'm going third, right? Okay. So, so they already decide that they love the first two guys. Of course. And the first two guys were great. They're you very know, first charming. First guy, David came up there and he was talking about negotiations. Fantastic. Patrick gets there. He talks about social media. They got these for their 15 minutes. So, so now I got to go up there. Something. What am I going to do with it? You know, I got. I got. You, you are officially up. chopped liver at this point. You got it. So yeah. I got up there and I said, "Listen, you just heard two great presentations." Uh, with great content. So so my pitch is very simple. Two words, free beer. Thank you very much. <laughs> and and they, procurement people. <laughs> yeah, and then someone told me I was I made a big mistake there. I should have said free bourbon. <laughs> so then duly but, noted, yeah. Right. So I so the message to them in the uh, in when I asked them to raise their hands about raise your hand if you're a leader was that my view of leadership, and I think that there's this is reflected in a lot of you around leadership, because I read a quote from Bill Gates and Warren, Warren Buffett and a number of their uh, thought leaders and people that have written on leadership, is leadership is about influence. And influence right. is not about authority, right? The classic book, Influence, Not Authority. And when I asked, when I defined leadership as influence, and I, then I said, listen, let's do this again now. Raise your hand again if you're a leader. More hands went up. And I said, to be a good influencer, a great influencer, it's all about being an effective communicator. And then I gave them the three things that you have to do to be an effective communicator. You have to have a key message. You have to tailor it to a particular audience. And third, you have to find ways to engage people so that they lean in, right? Mm -hmm. That you get them to be actively listening. And I sort of deconstructed that. And then we had an hour and a half to talk about that. And people were soaking it up because I think that, that at least the people you're speaking to the choir, because if they show up at your session, they really want that content, right? right. They, uh, I, I think everybody in the room recognized that each one of them are at a different point in their communication skills. And the message that I, I'm getting more and more comfortable saying that I think resonates is more and more people in higher ed, independent schools, need to be willing to take a risk, right? Need to be willing to say the risky thing, right? You, spoke, you and I have talked for years about this idea of speaking truth to power. Absolutely. That's really hard if you're internal. Uh, but if you are a buyer in procurement and you have an idea for a change, uh, a way you could do the business better, you can wait for the director to tell you we're going to be doing this, or you can write the, the business plan Right on two pages and say this is what we should be doing, and you put it in front of them, mm -hmm. and that is the difference between uh, somebody who's going to excel in their career and people they're just working to get a paycheck. Right. right, right. So it was great. You know, that's that's the wonderful thing about association conferences is by default the people who show up are the people who want to grow in their own profession. That's wonderful. Sounds yeah. like it sounds like an absolutely wonderful event with a group uh, that it's sort of a vector of a group that you you deal with often. I think it sounds like you've learned. Uh, you walked away with some new lessons as well. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and it reinforced for me what are the important things to talk about and what are the important things to remind people about. You know, the last thing I'll say here is, you know, I, I, when I get on a roll and I'm, and I'm talking, all of a sudden I'll hear myself going, you know what, I'm not saying anything that's like rocket science. Right. And for the most part, it's common sense. But my most recent awareness about common sense is common sense flies out the window when two things happen. We're over busy and we're stressed. Yes. And and I think that's what most of us are falling into is we don't use common sense about those really simple strategies because we're over busy and we're stressed. And, and I think that's a really important reminder for people to say, you know what, let me take a break, step back, and say, think longer term, right? Have two, you got to have two conversations. What am I doing short term, you know, to, to get my work done? And also, you need to have a longer term strategy for yourself. Um, and, I, and, I was t- and I took away from that group that, that the majority of people I interacted with have that point of view, and it was very exciting. Oh, it's very refreshing. Uh, I, you know, I think these uh, these talks are are getting more and more um, interesting as you as you continue to expand your audience. Looking forward to the next one. That's because uh, of you. It's not because of me. That's I, what's more interesting. I'm just a stuffed shirt, Howard. I'm people, just listen. Whenever up. I talk to people, no, I'm sorry. The people talk. Who is that guy? Everyone wants to know who is that guy. So it's sort of like the guy behind the curtain. I'm Batman. <laughs> hey, uh, this has been great fun. Uh, you know, folks, uh, I'll tell you what, you should head over to uh, iTunes and search for Navigating Change right there. You can subscribe to the show for free, and, and you can get this kind of greatness every single week and not <laughs> never miss a beat. How's that? It's wow. cheap, cheap at twice the price. Uh, we are. Uh, you can also join us in the conversation. You can find Howard at Howard Teibel on Twitter and me at Pete Wright. We'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for topics that are important to you, we would love to uh, bat them about on this very show. So please reach out. Uh, on behalf of Howard Teibel, thank you, sir. Thank you, Pete. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel, Inc. <laughs>